So basically what we do is we learn to, we, we apply art, help clients use the art to do a lot of different things. It can process trauma. Um, it can help people express emotions. It can help them communicate better. A lot of times it helps them with a lot of self-discovery, self-awareness. Uh, a lot of times when people don't have the words to say or know how to describe things, it's a lot easier to draw about it and then talk about the drawing or the, the piece of art that they did. Hello and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm Julie Boy, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Lacey Mucklow. Lacey is a registered, board-certified, and licensed art therapist. And one of the reasons I invited Lacey to be on my podcast is she is the author of the Color Me series, which is a series of adult coloring books. And one of the books in that series is called Color Me Grateful, which has since been updated to Be Grateful and Color. Now, I mentioned in the podcast that I was going to find out how many languages her books have been translated into, and it's 15 languages, including French, German, Arabic, Japanese, and Swedish. I wanted to say thank you to Lauren Zalecki of Gratitude Addict for connecting me with Lacey for this podcast episode. I can't believe it's November already, and I'm wondering if you've thought about where you're going to be getting your 2022 calendar. Did you know that I made a calendar of Vancouver Island sunrises? For me, waking up to see the sunrise is truly the embodiment of what it means to wake up with gratitude. To check out the calendar and order one for yourself, please visit wakeupwithgratitude.com. I include all major U.S. and Canadian holidays as well as the phases of the moon. By choosing to shop at wakeupwithgratitude.com, not only are you supporting me as a small business owner, you're also supporting this podcast, and I want to thank you for that. All right, friends, without any more time wasted, let's get right into this episode with Lacey Mucklow, and I want to invite you that if you have a friend who's really into this adult coloring thing, please make sure you share this podcast because it's so cool to hear the behind the scenes of how it all came together. Hello and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and today I'm welcoming Lacey Mucklow. Hello, Lacey. Hello. How are you, Julie? I am doing fantastic. And I think I said that I was excited to talk to you about five times before we started the recording Mm -hmm. um, because Lacey is a registered board certified and licensed art therapist. She's been practicing in the Washington DC area since 1999. And she's the author of the Color Me series, um, including Color Me Grateful, which has since gone out of print. She sold so many of them and been updated. It's now called, uh, there's a Be Grateful and Color version of it. And it's incredible what she has done in this space 
with these adult coloring books. But not only that, she also created an incredible experience uh, for moms and daughters called Mom and Me, an art journal to share create and connect side by side. She is truly incredible in this work that she's done on the side of her profession. And I have to say that when I started reading more and learning more about you, Lacey, I was just amazed at how you got all this done. But as I always like to start my podcast, I love to hear the story behind the art therapist. You know, did you always have a passion for art or did the therapy part come first? I'm curious about how you became an art therapist. Great question. Um, Art was something I did since I can remember. So it was just a hobby, something I always did. I took classes in school, I took classes in the community. But I just did it as a hobby, um, something I really enjoyed doing, but never planned to do anything with it as a career. So um, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to become a psychologist. That's what I was going to do. Um, that was kind of something in middle school that came up for me as a career option. Wow. I had a lot of friends who uh, would come to me with all their problems, and I liked helping them, and they seemed to just come to me whether I asked them to or not. And I thought, well, maybe maybe I should do this and get paid for it. So uh <laughs> Yeah. So I I took psychology in high school, my senior year, sociology and psychology to make sure that's what I wanted to major in. And that solidified my idea to become a psychologist. But while I was in the class, one of the videos talked about, um, I think it was people with schizophrenia had uh, used art to kind of unlock what was going on in their mind that they had a really hard time verbalizing. So I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. Um, what is this thing or how do you get to do that in therapy? So I don't even remember if art therapy was an actual term at the time in my class. I know it was a field later, but it was still fairly new by then. But then when I went to college, I figured out there was such a field called art therapy. So I talked to the art department, talked to the psychology department and said, what do I do? How do I become an art therapist? And they were like, we really have no idea. So <laughs> wow! I knew I would have to do grad school because if you want to do any kind of therapy, you have to have a master's or a doctorate. So I knew I would have to do that. Um, so their advice to me on both sides were to major in both or major in one and minor in the other to get started. So I thought, okay, that sounds like pretty good advice. So I decided to major in psychology since I figured that was the groundwork for everything and minor in art because you have to have proficiency in all the different styles and types of art making and materials, but, um, but I figured let's, let's try that out. And it worked. (laughs) It met all the prerequisites that I needed when I applied for grad school programs and I applied to two programs, got in both of them and had to make a choice. And so I decided on GW and DC and that's where I went for my master's and that's where they really taught us how to integrate art into therapy and how to use art therapeutically with people. Oh, wow. So you are really one of the pioneers in this profession, specifically around art therapy. Yeah, I would say I'm probably like in the granddaughter phase of things. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I taught I learned under people who learned under the, the initial pioneers, real pioneers of the programs and the real field of art therapy that came about in about the early 70s. Okay, um, that's it started really in new. The, yeah, it really started in the 40s, but it wasn't really formalized until late 60s, early 70s. So the fact that I got to work with some of the pioneers or people who learned from the pioneers was really amazing. And that's one of the reasons why I went to GW because there were a lot of those people there. So 
Just because I'm in Canada, what's UW? Oh, I'm sorry. The George Washington University. <laughs> okay. I, I assumed it was, but I was like, I don't want to make an yeah. assumption, but here yeah. in Canada, we don't always know the, the, the American colleges and stuff. So just sure, to that's that fine. for those international listeners. So it's interesting yeah. you said, so you, when you did your undergraduate work, you said you had mm-hmm. to study all different modalities of art. Yes. So yeah. like you had to sculpture and painting and. Yeah, we had to learn all kinds of things. I mean, within you know, you had, I did studio art. They had different tracks of art. I did studio art. I figured that was the best one of all of them. Yeah. Um, so I didn't do graphic design. That was a separate track. Um, but I had to learn things like I did oil painting, I did drawing, I did design, I did um, watercolor, sculpture, um, art history, things like that. So a little dabble in everything, learning how to do a lot of things. Although interestingly enough, my, the sculpture class I had didn't quite meet the prerequisite that they wanted. They wanted figure or portrait sculpture. And the sculpture class that they had was plaster casting and wood sculpture and wire sculpture and that kind of stuff. So they let me in, but they said, well, you do have to show us that you have some clay proficiency. So thankfully up here in the DC area, there's the art league, which provides all kinds of classes that you pay for, but there's no grading attached to it, which I love. I think a lot of people like that part. It's really just, if you're interested in it, you can learn how to do something. So they had this wonderful portrait and figure sculpture class. So I took that and showed them my results from that class. And that was all I had to do um, as far as I was concerned, but yeah, that's so neat. So you really have your own depth and breadth in the art world as well. And then of course, with, you know, psychology being the foundation. So just because art therapy is probably new to a lot of people, how does that look like when you work with clients? Well, um, there's like a a spectrum, there's art as therapy, and then there's art therapy, which is more of the clinical side. And I'm more on the clinical side of things. I work in private practice, I work in a hospital, so I work in a very clinical setting. Um, So basically what we do is we learn to, we we apply art, help clients use the art to do a lot of different things. It can process trauma, um, it can help people express emotions, it can help them communicate better. A lot of times it helps them with a lot of self-discovery, self-awareness. Uh, a lot of times when people don't have the words to say or know how to describe things, it's a lot easier to draw about it and then talk about the drawing or the, the piece of art that they did. Um, so the other thing that's really great about art therapy is it really, inter- I call it backdoor therapy because art processes in the brain differently than when we talk. And it accesses things like trauma, memories, emotions, all those kinds of things a lot more quickly than talking does. And um, and a lot of time when we verbalize, we tend to censor, right? We've, we typically have a filter. We think about what we're going to say, how we're going to say it, what we want to let people know, what we don't want them to know, that kind of thing, even in therapy. And so the art bypasses all of that censorship that our brain typically does. So even if you think you're censoring, you just can't. Um, really? But it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it can be a really good thing because sometimes it's the hard stuff, the scary stuff that the art can access and it feels safer. It's a safer way to do it. You can use the art as what we call the third party in the session um, so that you can talk about the art and it's easier to talk about the art than it might be to talk about the actual thing. Uh, you can use metaphor, all those kind of things that make it a lot easier to process it in a way that will work for you. So that's a nutshell how it works. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, I didn't, I never thought about that as like 
the bypassing of the filters or the allowing you to like use the art as the third party. Um, you know, my, uh, my daughter and I both worked with an amazing counselor and some, my daughter, you know, she's 11 now, but when she was younger, mm-hmm. especially, you know, the most important thing to have for her sessions because virtual COVID time, mm-hmm. right. Was to have paper and markers and drawing things. A lot of, you know, she's not specifically an art therapist, but mm-hmm. using art in therapy, I think you said mm-hmm. is another way to do it to help her express through drawing what she was going on in her head. I know I hadn't really thought about that though, as the bypass and the filter mm-hmm. and using it as a third party in therapy. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're this amazing art therapist, you're helping a lot of people in clinical settings, and then you make a coloring book. <laughs> so where <laughs> yeah, did that you know. <laughs> come from? Yeah. That How did that totally happen? A- yeah, that was totally out of left field, really. Um, although it did come out of my art therapy work. Um, okay. So it was about 2013, I guess. And I got this email from a publishing company saying, and this was before the coloring book craze had hit. So didn't know anything about it. I knew about coloring books. I used advanced ones when I was a kid. Um, but anyway, they said, we're looking to make this series of coloring books, maybe up to five titles, but we'll see how it goes. We've already found an artist. And so they had already found Angela before me. They found her art on DeviantArt. I don't know if you're aware of that website or app. It's called DeviantArt and people post their art there. So you can see what they've done. Some people get commissions off of it, all that kind of stuff. So she posted some things that she'd done and they liked her style. So they kind of tapped her to do the art already. But they said, we want this to be a little bit different than a typical coloring book. We want this to have some therapeutic themes to it. And basically they found my art therapy blog that I'd started in 2005. And they said, you know, looking through wow. all your all, all your stuff looks like you'd be a really good candidate for the topics of what we want to do. And, you know, pulling in coloring to something that can have a therapeutic theme to it. Um, so, yeah, it's like that's one of those things I've told people. You never know when you make a decision to do something, how that's going to affect you later on. So this is eight years after I'd started the blog but apparently they found it and thought it was something that made me a qualified person to do what they were looking for. And they already had two titles in mind, Color Me Column and Color Me Happy. And they said, but, okay, you, you get to flesh it out. You get to figure out what to do with that. Yes. So they said, are you interested? And I was like, is this like a hoax? Is this real? <laughs> so I looked up, yeah, the company's a real company. Okay, you know, I was a little wary of it at first because – it just seems so unreal, but I thought, okay, two books. Okay. Well, I've never done this before, but I might as well give it a try. See how it goes. Um, might be the end of it, but Hey, at least I gave it a shot. So, so I, I did the first two books. We did them simultaneously. So they published in 2014 okay. and that's when it, it was like right on it, when everything hit. And then suddenly there was so much demand. We ended up doing six titles instead of five. It's so amazing to me that you know, when you think about how your hard work and also this stroke of luck kind of mm-hmm. happened all together to bring you this opportunity, right? I mean, right. blogging since 2005, that's like, that was early blogging. I mean, mm-hmm. I started in 2008. I thought I was early. Mm-hmm. So 2005, that is early. Is that still yeah. true? Are you still doing it the same it's place? Still there. Still there. Still the oh same my site. <laughs> so yeah, that's amazing. You have Blogspot website. You probably have one of the earlier ones for sure. Yes. I had one of the old templates. I just recently finally had the gall to change it to a new one because I was afraid of losing everything. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that I put on there. 
I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. I kind of abandoned my blog, my old, cause it was on WordPress and I couldn't yeah. figure out anymore how to update it anymore. And so I mm-hmm. like started a new thing a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Cause it is like, that's, when you imagine you've been blogging since 2005, like the amount of data, the amount of stuff in there, but it is, it still lives forever on the internet. It never goes mm-hmm. away. And the fact that you attracted this into your life. And when you mentioned Angela, Angela Porter is the mm-hmm. artist. So yes. how did the relationship between you and Angela work as you put together these books? Yeah, that was really interesting. She's in Wales. So we're really long distance. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the publishing company's in New York. So we were all, we did everything through email basically. Um, so they would give me the, the main title theme that they wanted. And then I would start thinking about, okay, how can I flush this out into some topics that make sense for a lot of people, kind of universal themes. So once I sat down and did that, um, I wrote an intro to every chapter of all the books to kind of introduce why this is in the book, how this relates to whatever it is. Um, and then for every chapter, I had some ideas of images that are archetypal, if you know about Carl Jung, archetypal images, um, things that a lot of people would probably resonate with. Um, And we included a lot of mandalas, which is something that Angel's actually also into. So that worked out really well. She was already a mandala artist and likes mandalas. So um, I said, okay. And there's a a theory of the great round that I use at work for mandala work. And that's like a whole other story. But there are some things that I'm like, oh, I think I want this particular stage to be represented for this chapter or this book. We did a whole chapter on mandalas and Color Me Calm, but they still are around in the other books, so like scattered throughout the other books. But we did just a mandala chapter in the Color Me Calm book. So there are certain stages I wanted to go for. So I'm like, okay, I want some mandalas, but I want them with these kind of characteristics and okay. can kind of run with it from there. Um, or I send her pictures from the internet or wherever I found them to say, okay, I want these kind of things to be represented for these chapters and these books. And then you angelify them and put them in your style. And then that that's how we work. So I would just email her the stuff that I had and then she would draw from there and we sent everything to the publishing company. And then they did all the wonderful layout and publishing for us and made some beautiful books. It sounds like a beautiful way to put a book together, you know, to work in that way. You mm-hmm. are do, working on your strengths, even though you're an artist as well. But to, mm-hmm. it, I think in in a way, it was nice that, you know, you could separate yourself from the art and you have mm-hmm. the artistic vision, though, to at least say and to be able to mm-hmm. speak to an artist because mm-hmm. it's often difficult to express our words about what we see in our heads. So you have that background and that ability. And um, so the book that obviously caught my attention, of course, was Color Me Grateful, which Mm -hmm. is no longer in print. So we should mention it is now, Mm -hmm. you can get a version of it called Be Grateful in Color, Mm -hmm. which I found. And what, do you remember some of the themes that you put into that book specifically? We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. 
It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude, love, letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude, love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. Oh, um, I have have a copy over there, but, um, just like, what are things, what are people generally grateful for? Right. You know, like the big categories, you know, we're grateful for health. We're grateful for family and friends and, you know, take, not taking things for granted, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we put in there um, to help people so, reflect on those type of ideas. Awesome. Yeah. It looks amazing. I, if you look through some of the reviews on Amazon and you can actually see, um, the, a video of like, I think, I don't know if it's you flipping through the book or Angela, but someone's flipping through mm-hmm. the pages to see, you know, what the images look like. Mm-hmm. And something that's really cool is I noticed there were a number of translations. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Lacey's going to get back to me and I'll do it. I'll share in the intro, how many different languages your books have been translated because tell me some of the languages you already know off the top of your head. Yeah. I know about German, French, Swedish, um, Korean, Chinese, um, I think Spanish. Um, um, I'm not really sure. I know they were sold in a lot of countries, but I don't know how many were actually translated. So, um, but I've seen a few around and it's really amazing to see how many languages they were even translated into. So it's very cool. It is. It's like, it's your message getting out to so many people. And just to kind of close this chapter on the the coloring though, is why do you think that this coloring craze has, is, Mm -hmm. has become so important? Why is it something that we should spend some time doing, or we could spend some time doing as part of our own sort of gratitude and Mm self-care routine? Yeah, one of the reasons why I really think that the coloring book trend really exploded was because I think it was at the time when technology was, you know, basically at a tight when everything was in a phone or a tablet where it was at our fingertips, no matter what. It wasn't even just at our computers anymore or the TV or whatever. We could have it with us at all times, which is very handy and very wonderful. But I think a lot of people, especially maybe in our generation, maybe we're longing for that analog, mm-hmm. you know, hands-on kind of stuff that we grew up with without, without the technology. And I think it was nice to get back to some pencil and paper again, for one thing, and just de, you know, unplug, yeah. de-technology, yeah. De, um, get, no it, screen. It's mindful, de-screen, yeah, de-everything. De-screen. Um, I think, it, and it's a mindful, activity. And I know mindfulness has really kind of gained a huge following nowadays too. So it's kind of probably all those intersections of things. Um, but being a mindful activity, it's one of those things that helps your brain calm down when you color. And I think that calming effect was also very popular when people realized, 
oh, wow, this helps me unwind. This helps me sleep better. This helps me de-stress from traffic when I get home or when I need a break at work or whatever. You can stop and start coloring anytime. You don't have to finish a picture all in one sitting unless you want to. You can color for 10 minutes or do a little bit. I think people like the detail work because you know, it felt like it was geared. It, it was geared for adults, but they're like, oh, hey, it's something that's not Disney um, or something right. along those lines, you know, something advanced <laughs> yeah. or more mature or whatever you want to sure. call it. Um, something for them to use. And the detail work for some people helps them focus more. And it's also good, like proprioception wise, like to be able to use oh, your hands in that way and use to keep mm-hmm. your, you know, Little hands skills. and fingers active. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you, you know, mentioned because. Um, you know, as we, I want to talk about your other project that you did with mommy and me, mom and me, my daughter and I, uh, when the f- craze first hit, she was quite young, mm-hmm. but we would sit in bed and I had a little, like a little, like a tray table yeah. and put the coloring book on it and have the, you know, the pencil crayons and we would mm-hmm. color together and, and listen to music. And it was a very, wow. just a nice. way for us to connect with that for mm-hmm. quite some time. And then we put it aside. Mm-hmm. And then again, you know, more recently, a friend gifted me, um, sort of a self-care women's, you know, love coloring book type of thing. And then again, she and I, you know, would get together in the evening and color together and it's actually works really well because I'm left-handed and she's right-handed oh wow we can work right beside each other and like as long as I'm on the left side and she's on the right side like we don't we don't bump elbows or whatever Uh really fun kind of thing to do so Uh uh, I'm curious is that like did that work grow out of the coloring journals that you'd made the mom and me an art journal Mm -hmm. to share create and connect side by side where did that come about um, this came from my editor also. She okay. had all of these ideas. Um, she's not in the business anymore. She's actually in the library world these days. But um, she always was a little ahead of her time, I think, with her ideas. And I think it was probably kind of born out of things with her kids and seeing what other people needed and doing kind of the same type of things that you did with your daughter. And she's like, wow, this would be really great, you know, to help parents connect. It was kind of geared for moms because they're probably more apt to do something like that, but dads can do it too. Sure. Um, But yeah, just have some time to do something together. But this is a little different than a coloring book because there's prompts in it. There's about 50 prompts, questions for um, the parent and child to think about, and then each draw their own response on their respective page. And then they can talk about their response in the art and see what came up for them, like what, you know, for instance, what makes you afraid mm-hmm. that might bring up some really good conversation. And a lot of times people will talk a lot more when they're doing art. In, in sessions, I have all kinds of people who are doing their art and they're just like giving me information they've never shared with anybody else while they're doing the art. And they're even like, why am I telling you this? But art just kind of unlocks everything, you know? And it's kind of like when you think about if your kid is in that stage where they don't want to talk and tell you any details or anything, but when you're in the, in the car and you're driving and you're not looking at each other, they might tell you a lot more. Mm. So it's that kind of thing or um, dynamic that when you're working on some art side by side, then a lot of times that just unlocks some um, spontaneous conversation. But then you also have something that's specific that you can say, well, this is my response to it, and this is my response to it, and see if there's some similarities, see what the differences are, talk about why that that was for you, and open up some really meaningful conversation with parents and kids. So 
that's where that came from. Now, is there like specific research done around how art like unlocks different kinds parts of the brain? Because I I mm-hmm. recall that when we do art, we're using, you know, another side of our brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using different things. So is there scientific research around this? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, well, there's an art therapy journal out and there's other expressive therapy journals where you can find a lot of research where they're trying to f- figure out all kinds of things and how the brain works, how the brain works with art, that kind of thing. Um, coloring is something. And one of the things that you he- might hear about is bilateral communication with your brain coloring does that because you're using both sides of your brain to do it um art art can be the same way where you can have bilateral communication with the brain which helps synthesize a lot of things because like memories can get stuck on one half and it doesn't communicate with the other half and it helps bring it together so uh, but yeah there's tons there's i don't know about tons of research but there is research out there they're still doing studies they're still trying to figure out how art therapy in particular affects the brain what happens when you're doing art therapy, what's going on in the brain, what's lighting up, what's working, what suppresses or whatever, and trying to figure out neurologically how it works. Oh yeah. It sounds so interesting. And it's obviously you have a lot of anecdotal evidence in your own practice. You've been practicing for a very long time for over 20 years in this profession. So I'm sure you have, uh, you know, lots of anecdotal evidence Mm -hmm. about how it helps. Um, I'm curious about, you know, we talked a little bit before we recorded about gratitude journaling and how does this fit into your clinical work as well? Yeah, I use it occasionally, especially with people who have a difficult time with say negative outlooks and perspectives, pessimistic, or just catastrophizing a lot, anxiety, those kind of things. It seems to be very helpful with people dealing with that kind of stuff. Uh, because the negativity tends to take over and you've got to balance that out. And negativity has a lot more weight than positivity does in our, in our perception. So I don't know where this came from, but I've heard or read that it takes about 10 positive things to outweigh one negative thing. So you really have to work hard (laughs) to outweigh negative, negative things you hear, negative things you think, negative things you assume, all those kind of stuff. So I, I talk about gratitude journaling as one of those ways to help with the positive minds mindset or framework for people to look at because a lot of times you do take things for granted or we don't identify the positive things that happened during the day when they were there we just don't see them or don't pay attention to them or don't remember them so when I have people do gratitude journals I want them to identify say three to five things a day they're grateful for what they're thankful for and it could just it could be a positivity journal if they want to kind of go that direction with it but identify what happened in your day that you're grateful for and if it's not a huge day of anything it could just be you know when I drove back and forth from work I made it in one piece I didn't have an accident you know that kind of thing or I had my favorite food for lunch or you know it could be small things but it helps you focus on some of those things more often so you don't take them for granted and it starts to balance some of those negative type things out. I do also know I there is some scientific research behind the 10 negative for one positive. I've definitely mm-hmm. heard that lots mm-hmm. of times before. And it is true that our brains tend to look for negative first, keep us out of danger, right. that kind of thing. But we've evolved into life where mostly for most people, I mean, that's mm-hmm. there are definitely people who live in dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. 
Um, thankfully that's the minority, but for a lot of us, you know, being training our brain to look for what's working instead of what's not working is, is definitely a challenge. And I, I love that you use the gratitude journal as a way, cause it does work. It really mm-hmm. does. And it, you know, we're, when we're using those pathways and we're writing, mm-hmm when we're using, you know, an actual writing instrument and writing in a book, in a journal, Mm -hmm. it has some similar brain effects as coloring because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're using both sides of your brain because you're physically writing. I, uh, I think it's really important to physically write, you know, my daughter, we do homeschooling. We do very, uh, we do unschooling, which means we don't follow a specific curriculum, uh, but right now she is writing, she has an idea for a book series. So every day I'm getting her to write uh, her character descriptions, but she's like printing them out on, you know, she could type them on the computer, but I've asked her to write them in a book. And then she also like draws the different pictures of her characters and has all these ideas. And I'm like, use the different colors because our brains, like you said, we are so focused on screens and we're always typing and we're always we're just not using our hands in a different way. So I imagine too, in art therapy, it's not all about coloring. Like you do use other modalities as well, like painting or sculpting. Yeah, actually I rarely use coloring ever. in my. Oh, interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't use coloring. Um, I've had a couple people request it specifically, so I'm not going to deny them if they ask for something like that, but, um, it's all, you know, art therapy for me and for a lot of, for the, the field in general is original work what's coming from yourself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you can like color with pencils just on a blank sheet of paper kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We use color pencils, markers, clay, um, paint, watercolors, watercolor pencils, um, all kinds of collage. You know, there's all kinds of, yeah, there's all kinds of things. I like collage. I'm a big fan of collage. Love, love a good collage. That's so great. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had, yeah, I would, I would guess more, it's more, of course, not filling in someone else's, but your own, Mm -hmm. uh, but lots of, that's so neat. I'm so interested. I'll definitely do some more reading about this because I'm, I'm very curious. And of course, you know, just in the time that we have, we're not gonna be able Mm -hmm. to dive much deeper into, you know, this introduction to art therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but as you know, we start to wrap things up, one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is Lisa, I'm curious, for you, if you were to look at maybe in the course of a week, what kind of gratitude practices are showing up in your own life? Um, I think even if I'm not writing things down in a gratitude journal, which I've done in the past, um, trying to maintain that mindset as much as I can and just picking up on things. Um, and sometimes, yeah, some days are harder than others to focus on that or to keep it in mind but just trying to be more tuned to that kind of thing. Do you find it hard because of the work that you do? Like, do you have to make like self-care and all that a priority so that you don't get kind of yeah. in that yeah, negative space? Yeah. And, you know, and I think therapists do things differently and handle sessions differently. And you know, like I deal with trauma and things like that. So you have to figure out how you, you handle that personally. Um, and some people, I think it, can affect them vicariously. It affects everybody at some point, you know, but we all handle it differently. Sometimes you do process art. Um, you can do things like that, you know, in what, response. What's process art? Sorry, in case um, people don't know. Yeah. Process art is where you're, you create a, a piece of art in response to like a client or a session, or if something came up that was hard or how they made you feel or difficult information or something, just doing your own art about what that was like for you. Oh, 
That's so interesting. And yeah, I mean, why not, right? Use your own skills and background that you have to help you get through stuff that might be difficult. Oh, very clever. I really like that. I hadn't thought of that. That's very interesting. Well, Lacey, my goodness, we've taught us so many really great things about the different ways that art can, you know, work with our minds and help us to deal with difficult things. And like you said, unlocking trauma and conversations that we wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued by all of this. So, and I'm sure, you know, for your blog, which has been going on since 2005, tell us the site, Lacey, where is this amazing blog? It's been going on all this time. I love it. All this time. It's at arttherapist.blogspot.com. I love that you have a blogspot and you've kept it going all this time. I love that that was the reason that that brought the editor to you to Mm -hmm. create this incredible series of books. Promise me you're going to get back to me on all those languages. Let's let's find out. I'm interested too. I'm actually curious to find out how many they actually got translated into. So I'll let Amazing. you know. Amazing. My friends, I, I've really, I'm so excited to, you know, share Lacey with you. I can't wait to um, send you to her website to check out all the incredible resources she has there. You can find her on Amazon. All her books are there, easily accessible. There are, like I said, a few that are out of print because she sold so many of them. Yeah. Uh, I know that if you have been uh, upgraded to the new B, the Be Grateful in Color, for example, has been upgraded. So you can grab that there. Lacey, I just want to say thank you so, so much. I know that your time is so precious. I know how hard you work. This is, you know, this, all this is a side hustle for you and a, a side passion. So thank you for taking the time and sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your enthusiasm with our community. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Okay, for those of you who have been around the podcast for a little while, you know that I share a personal secret at the end of each episode. And this one is kind of funny because having worked in nutrition, wellness, and like recipe testing for so many years and growing up with a mom who was trained as a home economist, I was exposed to a lot of different foods. And besides the fact that I'm a vegetarian, so I choose not to eat meat, there are very few foods that I don't like to eat. Now, the one food that I cannot stand and I keep trying to make it work because I know there's a lot of nutritional value in it is chia. There is something about when that chia turns into that weird kind of jelly form, I can't stand the texture of it. So I don't know if I'm the only person that has trouble sometimes with different textures of food. I know that growing up, I was definitely not interested in jello because of that jiggly texture. So I feel like chia is a little bit under the same category of foods with like a jiggly, slimy-ish texture. Okay, so if you listen to this end secret and you love chia, I want to hear from you because I would love to be able to eat it. Maybe you have a way of using your chia that doesn't make it all kind of goopy and, you know, kind of, I guess, slimy to me. So you tell me, how can I learn to love my chia? All right. That's my little secret for this week. Thanks, friends. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.